Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Good morning. I have a question for all of you. Is Christ in you? Is Christ in you? The one we saw processed, who's done it all, who died for you, who was raised from the dead, the processed Christ, is he in you? You you are the destination of the triune God. Okay? Um, What book are we in this weekend? Colossians. Colossians, a letter to the church in Colossae. Okay, um, I'm gonna, we're going to frame this book, this message, and the entire universe with what I'm going to open with, okay? I'm going to frame the entire universe. The will of God. God's will. Capital W, will. Uh, Revelation 4.11 says, Because of God's will, all things are and came into being. Uh, you're here. I'm here. This hotel is here. This, this universe is here because God has a will. And this, this is God's will for God. Not, we may, we may immediately think God's will for me. Should I become an architect, a doctor, a lawyer, a missionary? God, what is your will for me? Um, God's will for us becomes important when we enter into God's will for God. Uh, the book of Colossians is framed by bookends, the beginning and the end with God's will. I was, I was just while you all were praying, I, I hope we're all, anyway, it's good we could pray before the message. It's good we can pray during the message. You know, Colossians begins and ends with uh, things that mirror each other. Colossians 1.9, right in the beginning, well, 1.1, Paul says, I am a disciple through God's will. Then in 1.9, he says, I'm unceasingly praying for you, that you would be filled with the full knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Can anyone raise their hand and say, I am filled with God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding? No, as I was getting into this, I was just preparing, Lord, I I just don't see that much. Forgive me, Lord, but you're not done with me. I want to see more. I want to see more of your will. Okay, the end of Colossians, Colossians 4.12, Paul's co-worker, Epaphras, Pray, he's praying and struggling on the behalf of us all in prayer that we would stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. So the book of Colossians is a book on the will of God. Um, in Colossians 1.26, this will, it's, 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 it's just described as a mystery because God has this, God has a secret that he's had for eternity in him. <laughs> he's been keeping a secret. And it, it was a mystery. He, in 126 of Colossians, it says, it's been hidden from the ages and from the generations. So can you believe the disciples? I mean, you just, how many boneheaded things they did, and you're like, what's wrong with them? The Lord, I mean, he's telling them, I'm with you. I'm, you know, I'm going to Jerusalem. They're like, okay, cool. We're all going to be enthroned with you. He goes, no, I'm, I'm going to die. Um, but don't worry, in three days I'll be resurrected. And that just did not compute with them. It went right over their head. Three days, they, they missed it. But he also said, you know, I'm going to come, I'm going to go, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to be in you. I'm going to be in you. So this mystery has been hidden but that even the disciples didn't get it. You know, even, even in eternity past, the angels didn't know. This was hidden in God alone. 
But let's, uh, let's see. Let's read, you know, yeah, in John 16, the Lord even says to the disciples, he says, I have many things I want to say to you, but right now you can't bear them. You won't understand them because um, I'm not in you yet. You need Christ in you to understand the will of God. Uh, so there, <laughs> the Lord, they're like, okay, the Lord, I guess he's going to go die. Which one of us is going to be on his right hand? You know, that's just where they were. They did not see. Okay? Um, hallelujah. Jesus died to get inside of us. What a mystery. This is, this is, this is a huge uncovering of what God's will is. Okay. Let's read the first verse, Colossians 1.27. The, which is what? Okay, this book on God's will. We're zooming in to Colossians 1.27. God's will. No longer, he, I don't have to hide it anymore. I've been processed. I, I've resurrected. I'm the life-giving spirit. I don't have to keep a secret anymore. My will is to make it known. God's willing to make known the mystery which has been hidden for like eternity. What is the mystery? What, what is the mystery? Christ in you. Turn to your neighbor and say, Christ is in you. Okay? So I'm just hoping if, if God, you know, I'm just so glad we get to pray. Even before the meals and things, we get to pray. We should enter into the disciples' prayer, the apostles' prayer that, oh, Father, this week, give, every, give this brother next to me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Pray he'd see something more of Christ. See a Christ he's never seen. Experience the Christ he's never experienced. There is more Christ. And for right now, you're just going to have to take my word for it. There's more Christ. I know we've also, well, I've heard, I've heard this. I, well, I've, 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 I know that. But by the Lord's mercy, we could turn our hearts and have the veils taken away. Because there is more Christ. Amen. And God's will is to make the Christ in you more known this, this weekend. Okay? Um, it's not a small thing to see a revelation. A revelation leads us into the experiences of Christ. So that wire diagram we had, right? Those are the experiences. That just Christ did that. But there's these four phrases in Colossians 2, 12, verse 13, and 20. You have been, you died with Christ. You've been buried with Christ. You've been raised together with Christ. You've been made alive, guess what? With Christ. Um, so the more we know this, we can enter into the, ex the same experiences of Christ. Okay, just a little bit of my testimony. Um, I, in eighth grade, I just made the decision, I want to play college basketball. Whatever it takes, that's the, the mission of my life. I'm going to make sacrifices. Um, if it, you know, I stuck to it. I was in college, playing college basketball, collegiate athlete, uh, and it was just my dream. This one night, we beat, a, we beat a really good school. I had a good game. My buddies were all going out to celebrate. I went back to my dorm room and took out my pint of ice cream, which is usual <laughs> on the nightly. Sat on my bed, just going to enjoy this one, all the hard work I've been putting in. I sit down, and this overwhelming emptiness came upon me, and my ice cream began melting in my lap. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? Like, this is my whole life. If I don't have this, I don't have a life. <laughs> and 
And I hadn't prayed in, in years. I, I received the Lord as a young child, but I didn't know the Christ in me. Um, and I prayed a simple prayer like, Lord, it, this stinks. If you're real, I want my life to count. Yeah. And that was it. Um, but why did I have that overwhelming emptiness? And I just realized it's because God wills to make known the mystery, which has been hidden from the ages. He's not, he's not happy that Christ just got in me. He did everything. He shed his blood. He washed me so he could get his life inside of me. And it's not just so he could be in me and I could be happy in Jesus every now and then, have a great basketball career, but he wants to make known and make further known and make further known the mystery until we become the mystery. People look at you and they're like, I just don't get you, man. The teacher just told us we have a pop quiz and everyone else is like, oh man, this teacher's so lame. Oh my, oh my gosh, I'm going to write a review on her. <laughs> and, and everyone's like, Psh, sighing, gossiping, big eye rolls. And you're just there. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. You're a mystery. <laughs> this is the mystery God has willed to make known to the universe, to the Gentiles. What is this mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay, so it is not a small thing. We should pray every gathering, every meal, every time we're just, say, Father, give my buddy, give my, my friends, my brothers and sisters, revelation this weekend of the Christ in us. Amen. Father, give me revelation. Um, you know, what does it take to get a revelation? If you're really smart, does that, does that accelerate how much revelation you can get? Not at all. Okay, what does it take to get a revelation? Well, what is a revelation? It means something you had no idea was there, the veil gets taken away, and all of a sudden, oh my goodness, my hand has been there. It's now as real as my hand is in front of my face. Christ is in me. What if this weekend Christ shined on you, and you, you went away? Maybe you, you may leave the conference high, you know, the Christian high at the weekend conference, but you go back to you're like, I don't care if I'm not having the best week. Christ is in me. Christ is life in me right now. What? What, how amazing would that be if all of us had just a glimpse of revelation of the Christ in us? Okay, um, a revelation, what makes it up is the divine trinity, the triune God and you. Okay, it's a, it's a, a revelation is an operation of the entire divine trinity. The Father reveals, just like with Peter, he said, flesh and blood didn't show this to you, Peter. My Father revealed it to you, who's in the heavens. The Spirit enlightens the Spirit shines, and upon Christ as the Word of God, as the truth being opened, the entire divine trinity, and you, because that could be going on, but your heart is turned away. Your spirit is not that active. Say, Lord, even if my spirit's a little cold this morning, Lord, stir it up. Lord, even in my heart, I keep getting distracted with these thoughts, the song I was listening to this morning. Lord, turn my heart to you. I want to get that revelation this weekend. Okay, so it's not a small thing to get a revelation. It involves the entire triune God. It's not just because you're smart <laughs> or because, because my speaking is somehow helping. Okay? Um, this Christ who's come into us, he's not come in in a common way. He's come in in an all-inclusive way and in an all-extensive way. All-inclusive meaning Christ is all-inclusive. In the book of Colossians, he just, Brother Paul was just going verse after verse. It's just, wow, there's just more Christ. This revelation, the highest revelation of Christ, he is everything, everything we'll ever need, everything we don't even know we need, 
He's everything to God. He's, he's, all, he's able to be our real clothing. Lord, you're covering me right now as I'm speaking. Lord, you're, 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 my, you're, my, you're my real drink. Lord, you refresh me. Lord, you're my real food. Every need, and we have no lack in him, okay? What about all extensive? Anyway, I'm just, because these are terms we hear sometimes. He's all extensive. That means not only is he everything, but he extends into any place, any circumstance, any situation you could ever dream of. You, you, you're bored? Maybe you're bored right now while I'm speaking? It's fine. <laughs> no problem. There's a bored Christ that you can enjoy right now. Like, Lord, I'm bored. And you get the bored Christ. He extends to you where you are. You can get the happy Christ. You can get the, the anxious Christ. There is, oh, so much anxious Christ we can get. There's, there's sitting down to just talk with a friend Christ. There's, there's just so much Christ. Christ, 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 Christ. Okay, I, this is a little illustration, and it doesn't do justice, but we think in terms of time and space. Um, I did, is anyone an astronomy major here? Okay, it's okay. If you are, you can correct me after if I'm, if I'm wrong. Um, I just did a little research on the universe. Man, the universe is so big. Um, so big. <laughs> okay, get this. So our, our solar system, right, around a solar orbital uh, star, the sun, how many planets do we have? Eight or nine? We have Elon Musk's car orbiting. We have, that's our solar system. We can't even get to Mars barely in our solar system. Do you know how many solar systems make up a galaxy like the Milky Way galaxy? Around 200 billion solar systems make up an average-sized galaxy. Okay, get this. The universe, so around another 200 billion, around 200 billion galaxies make up what is the detectable center of the universe by the limited techno technological you know, tools we have right now. 200 billion times 200 billion. It's big. <laughs> it is also ever-expanding at an ever-increasing and accelerating rate. Right now, it's accelerating faster than it ever has before in expansion. Why would the universe be so big? Okay, get this. Christ overflows the universe. <laughs> he overflows it. He fills all in all. That Christ right now is in you. The Christ that overflows the universe right now is in you. Okay, so he didn't come in a common way. If we could just get a glimpse of revelation and see more Christ, then we will experience more Christ. And that is God's will for why everything exists, that we would experience Christ to the point that Christ becomes everything to us. Okay, let's get into the outline. Um, let's read the first one. This is, we're looking at three aspects Christ came into us as, and we need to seek to experience Christ in all these aspects. Okay, so number eight is as our life. Okay, <clears throat> could someone, oh, no. Why don't we all read Colossians 3, 3, and 4? Okay, you've got to underline whatever, highlight, circle, dot, dot. Your life, in verse 3, and Christ, our life. Okay, in the Gospels, Jesus himself, in him, was life. And you read the book of John, you're like, wow. 
Christ is life. And he says, I am the life. But this is different. This is, in Colossians, Christ our life. Your life. Okay, so when we, when, when, just a little example, when, when you, uh, you're about to say something and something rises up, don't, you don't need to say that. That, that you don't need, that's Christ as your life. That's an experience of Christ as your life, not just the Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago. Um, so nothing is more subjective to us than our life. Uh, nothing is, I mean, he could become, I mean, out of all the things Christ could become to us, I could say, Will, give me your wallet. Give, give me your phone. Give me your backpack. Give me your life. No, no life, no you. Your life is very subjective to you, and Christ has become your life. Whether we realize it or not, and hopefully there would be a little more realization this weekend, Christ right now is my life. He's inseparable from me. Okay, so these verses, John 14, 6, 11, 25, the Lord says, I am the life. I am the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way and the truth and the life. And then 1 Corinthians 15, 45, the last Adam, who's Christ, he became, in resurrection, a life-giving spirit. So right now, whatever you feel like, if you contact the Lord, who's the life-giving spirit, he will give life to you. And he'll give life to you in all three parts of your being. Okay, let's, okay, Romans 8, 10. Um, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Um, when Christ got in you, your spirit became life. It was dead, but now it not is only alive, it is life itself. Whatever you... Whatever kind of night you had, I didn't sleep that well. I don't know if you guys slept really well. Maybe you had hard pillows and hospitality. <laughs> One third of your being is God's life right now, at the very least. Romans 8, 6 says, when we set our mind on the Spirit, so we're, right now we're, I think we're all, we're all getting a chance to do that, setting our mind on the Spirit, the things of the Lord, our mind becomes life. The mind is life. That's our, the other part of our being, our soul. Uh, and this last one, if the spirit of the one in Romans 8, 11, of Jesus, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who indwells you. That, so that, that's really no excuse. If you, had a, if you had a rough night, you just need to get the, the life to your mortal bodies. Uh, it's better than a Red Bull or Bang, cold brew. Life to your mortal bodies. There's nothing like it. I'm sure, I've heard testimonies from students. You just drag your bones to the student prayer meeting. You're like, and on the way, you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't go. I kind of have an assignment next week. It's not even graded. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, but then you get to the prayer meeting, and you're like, ah. Oh, and you just say, amen, Lord Jesus. And by the end of that meeting, your body, you have energy to run a marathon. <laughs> it's because Christ is life. There was life given to your mortal body. That's all three parts of our being. You see how the Christ who overflows the universe is not going to be limited? He's going to fill you with life. Okay, so there's three aspects. Okay, three aspects uh, I want us to look at of what kind of life this is. Uh, read A, B, and C. That's right. Okay, these are just three aspects. There's, we could have a whole conference on every one of these points. I mean... Uh, the, the life of Christ is a crucified life. So the Lord Jesus, he was often ridiculed, criticized, misunderstood. Like, you have a demon. That's how you're doing all these miracles. No, he's God. 
But he, he didn't respond. He didn't defend himself. He just committed all things to the faithful creator. He said, this is from God. Um, you know, when we're in the crucified life, you can't get offended. Someone says something to you, like, hey, man, that, that was kind of whack what you said, and you, but you've been enjoying Christ, and you're like, I died. Who cares? <laughs> uh, that's, that's an experience of the crucified life. Okay, read, read Acts 8.32. He did not even open his mouth when they were, he was being misunderstood to the max. It's one thing if they're like, oh, you're, you're, on, you're on the team, you're, you're on the bench, you ride the bench, you're like, no, dude, I'm a starter. I'm our second leading scorer. That's being misunderstood, but this is like, I'm God. <laughs> he was very misunderstood. Um, he didn't open his mouth. You know, often the crucified life, we experience it, it can be summarizing these two phrases. You don't need to. You don't need to open your mouth and say that. And if you say amen when that's rising up, it's like, amen. <laughs> You're touching and living the crucified life of Jesus. And it also comes up in the form of, you know, how many, many examples of, I mean, shopping. You don't need to spend all that on, on that. Uh, you don't need to get a quadruple stacked cheeseburger with eight slices of bacon. And, and, you know, if you say amen to these things, that's the crucified. You're like, you're right, Lord. You're right. Amen. Okay, also, what about you need to? You need to. Um, you know, we have the mics up after the meeting. Has, has anyone ever experienced a little nudge? You saw something. You should say something. Go up to the mic. Give us your Christ. You may not say you need to, but eventually... You need to. <laughs> and you, ah! <laughs> you just, if you go up, that will be the most joyful meeting, the most joyful meeting. And you will release Christ to everyone who you, who you share to. You know, sometimes I've heard some brothers, they make this deal like, all right, when we set our foot on campus, we're not going to leave campus until we give out a gospel flyer to someone. I, some brothers made this deal with me, well, not a deal, just a pact when we were in college. I can't tell you how many times I would, get out of class, go straight to my car, and I'm like walking to my car, and the Lord's like, you need to hand out a gospel flyer, and I'm like, and I try to put my key in, and, and open my door, and sit down, and start the car, and then turn it off, start the car, turn it off, I'm like, fine, Lord, okay, fine, okay, amen, I need to, and you just go find one person, give a gospel flyer, over the years, anyway, lots of things happen when we just cooperate with the Lord, far above what we would ever imagine. That's just the best. Um, but that's an example of the crucified life. Okay. Uh, anyway, okay, let's read Colossians 4, 6. We're out of time. Okay, so our speech should always be with grace and seasoned with salt. Salt is the salting death of Christ. You know, a lot of things we say are not that pleasant to be heard. And just, oh, I just need more salt. You know, food, uh, anyway, I, I, I lived in Brit, uh, UK for a little bit. The food, they don't have as much spice. Not as much spice. Uh, and there's not always easy to find salt. 
when I came back to the U.S., every time I'm like, Mom, take me to Mexican food right now. Because <laughs> salt makes it more pleasant tasting, more, more flavor. Um, you know, okay, little experience. I was in a college conference like this when I was in college, and the brothers shared the sister verse to Colossians 4.6, which is Ephesians 4.29. Says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, except that which is good for building up, that it may give grace to those who hear. And me and my buddy, this is my companion in the Lord, but we both just got touched. Wow, how much of our words don't build up? And we just got, we were sitting there and we spend so much time together, so much time talking together, just being together. We just, my mom would always call us peas in a pod. Um, so we got home and we were talking about the conference and we both just said, man, I just feel like we need to freshly give our relationship to the Lord. What if not, barely any of our relationship makes it into eternity? Like how much of it actually will? And so we, we just said, Lord, we just give our relationship to, to you for your purpose. Um, you know, this brother said to me right after that, he, he goes, hey, bro, I've been meaning to tell you something. Um, you know, we, it's, it's good. We all laugh and joke all the time. I mean, it's, it's fine. I've noticed whenever you joke about this one younger brother, there's just something pointy in it, and it tears him down. And this is like a new younger brother, and that just like, when he said that, I, I couldn't even open my mouth and say, no, no, no. The Lord just shined on me and was just salting me. He was just salting me. I was like, Lord. And I just couldn't move for a while. I'm like, Lord, that, and so I called up that brother, and I said, hey, hey bro, I'm, you know we joke a lot. And anyway, and there's nothing, nothing bad about joking, but I, I just want to let you know I'm sorry for, I think, too, many times it went too far. And he goes, no, no, man. And I said, yes, yes, man. <laughs> and we both started crying because he knew what I meant. That was real. And so these two areas, we need salt on our speech and on our relationships. Whether it's someone we don't like, we need salt. And if it's someone we're super close with, we're peas in a pod, we need a lot more salt. I can tell you, th this week, I got a, a voice memo from one of them. And it, it was just a five-second voice memo. It said, once I call his name, there's a flow within. That's it. That's it. And that turned me to the Lord. And I just got, gave him a voice memo right back. Turns me from my day, makes him Lord again. That was it. That was our exchange. So our, because of the salt, our relationship in Christ has been preserved. Amen. And that other brother who I used to speak, I just, I would tear down to this day, like if not weekly, every few weeks, I'm just, when I have something I don't know, I can't open to everyone, I go, I go to him. And we pray and I just, bro, I need, I need, in my car rides, I just, bro, can we just call on the Lord? I need, I need the Lord. And he is to this day, this is years ago, almost a decade ago, they're, they've just been preserved in Christ. Okay, I'm not, not doing too good on my time, but uh, let's go to, uh, oh, okay, B, a resurrected life. Oh, man, this is too good. Um, let's read Acts 16, those verses. to them. Okay, this is Paul and Silas. Uh, because they went to Macedonia and were there for the gospel, they were imprisoned in the inner prison. Not the general prison, the, the place where bad dudes go. They're in stocks, you know, those wood stocks, 
It's probably dark, cold, no food, unbearable. Um, and it's like, uh, I mean, maybe Silas said to Paul, like, Paul, are you sure the Lord wanted us to come to Macedonia? Pretty sure right now the gospel's just stuck. God's stuck because we're here. Look at us. Like, I can't even move my neck. And Paul might have just turned and said, Silas, you know, I was really good with the quiet in here. Why don't you shut up? <laughs> and, you know, we have those, I mean, and not necessarily that exact exchange, but we just have these exchanges with our spouses, our roommates, and, and it's just like, okay, um, these things are kind of escalating. Let's just pull back, and it'll be uncomfortable for a few days. Um, but, no, they were about midnight. At midnight, Paul and Silas, while praying, touching the Lord and praying, sang hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. <laughs> that is just amazing. When, we're in, when the Lord puts us in a prison, we're often like, Lord, I'm in this prison. Get me out. Get me out. And the Lord's not saying anything, but his desire is, let me in. Let me in. <laughs> he just wants to come in as the resurrected life. The resurrected life means when you touch this life, nothing can suppress it. Resurrection passes through any barrier. To this day, it's undefeated, and it always will be undefeated. Death, top opponent, was nothing. Acts 2.24 says the, the pangs of death were loosed since it was not possible for him to be held by it. So death cannot hold the resurrection life. Um, you know what happened out of Paul and Silas, them just enjoying the Lord? You know? I, I like this account. Something one brother told me. It's like God was so happy seeing his two disciples. They weren't moaning and groaning and blaming each other, but they were in him. He was like, woo, and just stomped his foot. And there was an earthquake. I, the Bible doesn't say that, but there was an earthquake. And it's like all the jail cells were open. All of them were open. Their bonds fell off. And the jail, the jail guard takes his sword. He's like, okay, it's the end of me. I mean, he's about to do away with himself. And Paul says, don't hurt yourself. We are, we are here. We're not going anywhere. Man, they were in the resurrection life. They really were. And you know what that, that jail guard said? What must I do to be saved? You know? Right now, it may be like your friends are like, oh, they have this top jail guard position. Uh, but everything in their life is shakable and can be shaken. And they might come to you one day, dude, what, what can I do to have that joy you have. How can I be saved? Paul says, believe on the Lord Jesus, you and your whole household, and be baptized. Uh, so he, when they went, the jailer baptized his whole, whole household. That was the beginning of the first church in Europe, through two brothers exercising to touch the resurrected Christ. This life in us is resurrected. It's, there's this one line in him that says, uh, he's strong and in vigor. How buoyant is he? Like a beach ball, the more you try to suppress him, the more he rises up with might. This is the resurrection life. Okay, let's, uh, let's go through to C. Hidden life, yeah. Um, well, you, okay, so when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you may not appear to men, notice that, appear to men, like what men think, uh, to be fasting, but to your Father who sees in secret, who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. So we happen to be in an age where if it's like, if I can't post this to be liked and reposted and commented on, why even do it? <laughs> What's the point? 
Um, the hidden life, I mean, the Lord's life was so, after he would do a miracle, he would go away to the mountains to be alone with the Father. He's, you know, there's, I love this one title of God in Isaiah 45. It says, a God who hides himself. He's not boastful. He's not ostentatious. He's not looking for, hey, pretty good, right? You ever seen a sunset, a beautiful sunset, and then in the bottom corner, dash, G-O-D. <laughs> like, gotcha. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're welcome. He's, his life is hidden. So when we do things looking for man's appraisal, probably not the life of Christ, not the hidden life. And I just like, I like these phrases, who is in secret. The father, his character and where he is, he's, he's in secret. You may be a student and you're like, oh, I'm only going to pray for five minutes. I'm only going to have a five-minute prayer time. Or, you know, I'm broke, like all students are. I'm, I, I have five dollars in my wallet. Well, what if you gave one dollar, because the Lord touched you, in secret? But then you get there, you're like, it's only a dollar. You put it back, and God's like, no, I was waiting for that. That was going to be given in secret, and no one would have known but me. <laughs> so when we get man's appraisal, which anyway, just our natural life, it just seeks this out. It's like, even like in a hidden way, um, you know, indirect, whatever, like subtweeting or something. I don't, I don't know how it goes, <laughs> but like to get the glory for yourself. Um, but Christ's life is so awesome. He doesn't regard the things that are seen. Um, yeah. You know, when you go to a, a believer's memorial who's lived a hidden life with Christ, it is probably the most touching thing in the world to go to. You will just be revived and encouraged. Because in this age, our life is hidden with Christ and God. In this age, it's not, it's not the time to be I'm a son of God, everyone at work, don't you know? I mean, one day we'll be manifested, but in this age, and you go to a believer's memorial meeting when they passed, and they just lived a hidden life. I've been to a number of just old sisters, and it's like they never shared much in the meetings. They weren't that eloquent. They just, you know, they couldn't explain a complicated truth to you. But then you hear all these testimonies. They're like, if this sister didn't call me every week, I would not be here. Because of this sister's prayer, I'm here because of her giving, she, she gave hiddenly to me for years, and I wouldn't have made it. Even humanly, I wouldn't have made it. That, those things are hidden. Those things are seen by God because he is in secret, and he sees in secret. It is so touching. I, anyway, just to, to see the hidden life of Christ lived out in his members. Um, okay, so that's, that's, that's it for life. So the, the practical, uh, I want to, because this is like a universal view we're getting, um, a practical handle on each. Uh, for life, uh, since it's with Christ, with Christ, with Christ, if we begin to see this, and if we, even if we don't, we will begin to involve him, involve the Lord, involve him with what we're doing. Just, Lord, I don't, I don't want to go to the prayer meeting. Just, you're involving him. Lord, I'm going shopping. Can you, like, unless it's a pair of pants, you can, you can, you can shop with me because I really want to get this per specific pair of pants. Anyway, I'm married, so... <laughs> hear about these stories, testimonies. Um, um, okay, so we involve the Lord as our life. We gotta, yeah, we gotta go. So as the body of all the shadows, let's read Colossians 2, 16 and 17.
Okay, so maybe not everyone is familiar with this. Paul is fighting a battle, the church there, that all these Old Testament Jewish practices are being brought in and insisted upon. Um, and it's not, Paul's not saying that he doesn't believe in the Old Testament. We believe in every word of the Old Testament. But Paul realized that everything in the Old Testament was a shadow. It's like if I have this, bo- this bottle and they ha- it's casting a shadow, the shadow, you don't want to grab the shadow. You want to grab the body of the shadow, the essence of the shadow. And Paul's saying the body, the essence of every shadow in the Old Testament is Christ. Christ is the reality. Here he just gives, he gives four examples. He says, in eating and in drinking, a feast, a new moon, and the Sabbath. And I want you to write these down. Uh, um, uh, a feast is something annual, so that's yearly. Um, a new moon is monthly, every month on the uh, lunar cycle. Um, a Sabbath is weekly, and eating and drinking is uh, daily. So Christ is saying, you know, annually, you know, I want you to just year by year feast on me. I'm the real feast. When you get into those shadows and you study them in light of Christ being the reality, those feasts become so rich. Uh, monthly, a new moon is a new beginning. Do you ever need a new beginning? Guess what? You don't have to wait a month to get a new beginning. Right now, maybe this morning, you need a new beginning. Before this next week, say, Lord, I take you as my new beginning. How about a Sabbath rest? Christ is our real Sabbath rest. And daily, when, when we sit down to drink and eat, we should just remember, oh, Christ, you're my real food and drink. So there's this from year to month to week to daily. Christ wants to minimize the gaps and in, minimize, shrink the intervals between times we come to him and enjoy him. It's like not just, not just once a year on Christmas. <laughs> more than that, more, and more than monthly, more than weekly. Moment by moment, this Christ overflows the universe and he's so available um okay we're gonna look at a a few a few of these shadows in the old testament okay so this is just this one i mean the, the passover first corinthians 5 7 says for our passover christ has been sacrificed so this is something in the old testament you remember when they're getting out of egypt and historically okay so i mean when you when you look at what actually happened it's like that's that's christ Historically, they would cross two pieces of wood and spread out the lamb's limbs on it. After they inspected it to make it sure it was out blemish, they'd slay the lamb and they'd take a little hyssop and they'd cover, put the blood on the lintel of their doorpost. Um, that's Christ. <laughs> you, we don't need to, we're not here talking about keeping those ceremonies, thankfully, um, but we're talking about enjoying Christ as the reality of the Passover. Um, Christ has been sacrificed once for all. You don't need to do this every year your friends say, hey, do you celebrate the Passover yearly? Like, I celebrate it every morning, man. I, I, I take the blood of the Passover lamb. You know what you apply the blood with? Hyssop. A tiny herb that could grow in between cracks and walls. It's so tiny, but it typifies the believer's faith. Even a little faith. Oh, Lord, just, you just, Lord, wash me. Whew. You're covered. And the death angel passes over you. Okay, so after that, so the children of Israel, they not only take the blood, but there's another part. They, they took in the lamb. They ate the, they ate the lamb with all its parts, the head, the legs, the inward parts. They were strengthened to get out of Egypt because, uh, brothers and sisters, God's purpose is not fulfilled in Egypt. God's will is not carried out in Egypt, the world. Uh, so they eat the lamb. God leads them out by the cloud of fire. 
Uh, do you remember what they're brought to? They're brought to a body of water. It's like, and they're like, why would God bring us here to be slaughtered? Well, after you've believed and been washed by the blood, God says, no, I'm not bringing you here to be slaughtered. I'm bringing you here to, to enter into my death, into a deeper oneness with me. Anyway, the, the Red Sea, here it, it's opened. They were baptized by the cloud, and then they enter in through the water. And what is this a picture of? Baptism. This is, this, the body of this shadow is Christ, the death of Christ. Our baptism, we enter into the death of Christ. We go in, all of Satan's army follows us, uh, but who comes out? We come out on the other side for God's purpose in newness of life. And every Egyptian soldier that had troubled us, that wouldn't let us go to the meetings, that wouldn't let us enjoy the Lord, is buried in, in, the, in the death of Christ. Um, it's not a small thing after, you're, after you believe to then make, take the second step that Chris was talking about last night to enter into death waters. Because if it's in Christ, you're going to come up and all the enemies will not. Um, anyway, I know what we will have an opportunity today and it's good to just touch the Lord. Say, Lord, is, if I haven't been baptized, Lord, what about entering into this shadow in the reality? Um, in the New Testament, the longest delay for someone getting baptized? Three days. Paul, why do you delay? Rise up and be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord. Okay? Um, and then, okay, there's an, then after that, there's another shadow. I don't, uh, I don't think we'll have time to get it. The manna and the water that they were fed in the wilderness. These are all, you know, the, the practical application when we see the Christ as the body of shadows. When we read the Bible, we won't come to the shadows, but we'll come to Christ as reality of the shadow. So first, with life, it's that we involve him. Here, it's that we come to Christ, not the shadow. Um, okay, let's, we're going to wrap up in just a few minutes here. This last one, Christ as our portion. Let's read Colossians 1.12. Amen. Uh, and Colossians 2, 6, and 7. As therefore you have received the Christ, Jesus the Lord, walk in him, having been rooted and being built up in him, and being established in the faith, even as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Okay, uh, unfortunately we don't have time to get into this that much. This point could easily be five conferences. Christ our portion. Um, this... Uh, They've, we've all been qualified because of Christ's redemption for a share of the allotted portion. Uh, the allotted portion in the Old Testament, it's like you get this piece of land um, of the good land, and it's, it's yours. It's your portion, your inheritance. Um, and I, anyway, we don't have time to read through all these, but in Deuteronomy 8, it describes the land. It's, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. There's water and streams, springs, fountains flowing forth wheat, there's food, there's everything you ever need. And I want to see, see under Deuteronomy 8, those verses. Can we read that verse 9? I just really like that. Okay, that's good. In this land, there's no scarcity of food. In this land, you will not lack anything in it. That sounds like being in Christ. In him, you lack nothing. You know, there's this up, up above, there's Colossians 2.10. And you have been made full in him. 
And this is probably the richest shadow and picture of Christ in the whole Old Testament. The good land. And this is pointing to God's desire for his great will to bring us out of so many things to the point where we live in the land. We walk in the land. We have our being in the land. Whatever we're doing, we're just in Christ. So we read Colossians 2, 6, and 7. You've received the Christ. I mean, we've all received Christ is in us. Great. But now God wants us to go on to walk in him, to have our daily living more and more in him. Um, okay, and, and just there's two conditions for walking in him. In verse 7, having been rooted and being built up in him. So the practical uh, takeaway here is we need to take time to absorb God. If we don't, aren't rooted in him, we haven't been built up in him, we can't walk in him. And I just want to read these portions that will say this much better than me. Uh, this is from Col- uh, Colossians um, Life Study. Forget your situation. Forget your situation, <laughs> your condition, your failures, and your weaknesses, and simply take time to enjoy the Lord. Take time to absorb him. Sounds good, huh? Take time uh, to assimilate the rich element from him as the soil. If you take time to absorb the Lord, you will be able to testify that in Christ you have no lack. You'll be able to testify. Guys, when I'm in Christ, I don't need anything else. You'll say that in your classroom and they'll think, you're a mystery and kind of crazy. But I need a lot of things. That sounds good. Um, Okay. I do not have any confidence in a change of behavior which results from making a decision after hearing a message in a conference. If you hear this message and decide to make a decision, I'm going to walk in him. That it won't work more than a day. My confidence is in what issues from becoming deeply rooted in Christ through contacting the Lord and spending time in the word with much prayer. Um, when we are rooted in Christ, there is no need for us to make our, up our minds about certain things. For spontaneously, we shall walk in him. Lastly, while we walk in him, the expression of Christ will be built up in us. So we're rooted in him and the expression of Christ is built up in us. And then we're able to just walk in him and express him, carry out God's will. Eventually, this expression will become the body, the corporate church life. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to stop there. I'm gonna, I just want to end. Um, so the th- we have the three practical to involve the Lord, come to the, sh- come to the Christ, not the shadow, take time to absorb God. And the most important factor, if we really want to enjoy the Christ and see more of the Christ who is God's will in this universe is to love him. 1 Corinthians 2.9 The um, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have never come up in man's heart. Dude, this Christ is so expansive and awesome. It's, this Christ has never, things have never even come up in man's imagination of what he can be to us. Things which God has prepared for those who love him. So the ones who, whose experience and seeing of Christ will abound are those who love the Lord. We need to be the Lord Jesus. I love you people. And when we say it, our, even if we don't feel it, our heart begins to turn and love the Lord. Okay? Um, this was great to have a meeting um, on God's will with you all. That's it. <laughs>